0: Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. You see how from chapter 14 we
1: saw that the introduction that Babylon is is fallen, it's coming to its end. And now Babylon, the worldly portion, the marketing portion, the marketplace and all of that, it also comes to an end in chapter 18 and verse 9. It says, the kings of the earth, who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her, will lament for her. They weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour her judgment is come. Let's stop right there. What's happening now is judgment begins to be coming on the earth. We have the final doom of Babylon. We have in all of these things God giving them exactly what they're asking for. Now let's go back to chapter 14 and see if we can't keep this kind of in context so that you see all of this. And let's begin about verse 9 in chapter 14. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead and on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So we see the condition of the lost. We've seen the condition of the saved in verse 12 and 13, how they rejoice, how they're given freedom and that their works follow them, they're blessed by their labors. The condition of the lost. Oh, how sad. Because now the Lord begins to reap his harvest. Look at verse 14 through 16. Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, saying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is Christ. He has word from the Father sent by an angel out of the temple. Remember how we saw that the throne of the Father was in the temple of God. And now it's coming upon all of the earth. The angel declares the orders of the Lord. Those that are on the earth begin to think, what is happening? Everything is out of control. Everything is out of whack. Nothing seems right. And we have noticed in all of these messages who is in control. God has sent word. all right. Now we're going to reap. Now I'm going to begin to bring about this judgment. And in verses 17 through 20, we see the beginning of the wine press of God's wrath. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine to the earth, and threw it in the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, And blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Understand the church and the saved have all been taken. The Lord's churches have been raptured. But many more accept Christ during this last three and a half years. And there is coming a day of general judgment. Remember Christ spoke about the separation of the sheep and the goats the sheep on the one hand and the goats on the other. This is what we're beginning to see. We're beginning to see that now God is separating His people, those that have cried out to Him, those that have recognized the voice of the angels, those that have heard the gospel preached by the two witnesses, those that have heard the gospel preached by the multitude that were saved and did not receive the mark of the beast in the last three and a half years. And so what happens is there is a great dividing, some this way and some that way. That's what's going on. And then we see a glimpse of what we're going to find in the book regarding Armageddon. Because about four to five feet high, the blood will flow 184 miles. That's the distance it tells us here. Now, I've seen some blood. I've seen some bloody scenes. But I have never seen blood four to five feet high for 184 miles. It's just beyond my comprehension. But you see, that's what happens when God begins to bring all of this. And this great wine press, this this is where we get the term grapes of wrath, because it is God's wrath coming upon the earth in chapter 15 we begin to have a little interlude and the bowls are going to be given but we see the great rejoicing that's happening in heaven the great rejoicing because they know that the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven has become the kingdom of our lord so we get into chapter 16 with the seven bulls we're not going to get through all of these But we're going to look somewhat, because I want you to see, and with all of this, the 144,000, the great multitude that's been saved, those that are singing the songs the angels cannot sing, the redeemed that are crying out now the bowls of God's wrath. Chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Remember who owns the earth. We read it a little bit ago. For He has created it. All of this earth belongs to the Lord. All of us are the creation of God. You see, there is a movement that's going on saying, Oh no, we are just the product of evolution. We're just the product of somewhere billions of years ago how this little amoeba got started and how this little bacteria began. And soon now all of life has come from some little bacteria that was out there in space that just happened to find its way to earth and just happened to grow and now is teaching in college. No, I won't get into all of that. But we know that we have been created at the hand of God. We've been made in the image and likeness of God and He owns us. We are His possession. So when God decides that He wants to bring wrath upon those that will not recognize Him, it's His to do so. You know, Egypt suffered ten plagues. And we know the story of Moses and Israel. And every one of those plagues was attacking an Egyptian god. You've heard of the lords of the flies. You've heard of all of those. Every one of them. There's a great book called Dead Men Tell Tales by Dr. Harry Rimmer. And he goes through and he lays all of those things out. And he shows how God destroyed every Egyptian god in that. And I would say the same thing is happening here. Because men love what they have. They love this life. They love their bodies. They love all of these things. So look at the first bowl in verse 2, chapter 16. So the first went, the first angel, and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image oozing sores. Do you remember Lazarus who was laid at the rich man's gate? That's the same idea where the dogs came and licked his sores. That's the idea. These people who love their sexual immorality. They love their bodies. They love who they are. They love their physique. They love what they have. They love being able to dress in the best Hugo Boss suit. They love what they look like. They love their bodies. They love all of that. And what happens? God begins to attack what they love. He's beginning to show, aha, you think you're so marvelous. You think this is so much. And he begins to bring about so that they might see in all of these things who created them. You see, this world isn't going to end with global warming. This world isn't going to end by nuclear holocaust. But in all of these things, they begin to blame Christians. You are the cause of all of our problems. You are the cause of all of our heartaches. And then God begins to show them their hearts. He begins to show them where they really live. And foul and loathsome sores because they worship their bodies, their sexual attractions. And now like a beggar, their bodies are oozing sores. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. And verse 3 of chapter 16. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. And it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Every living creature of the sea is now dead. There's no more worried about global warming. Because everything is dead. No more lobster dinners. No more mahi-mahi. No tuna. No deep sea fishing. What's going to happen to all of those beautiful big houses in Malibu and Pacific Palisades and all of those houses that are looking over the oceans who's going to want to live there when the stench the value is going to drop out of real estate over there you may not want to move to the beach I don't know no more sunbathing on the beach all you have is putrid what are the navies of the world how are they going to operate through blood oceans how are they going to be able to go through and prepare for all of the wars? Well, let's we better move on. Verse 4 is bowl number 3. And the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, and they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Do you remember in chapter five we read of the, the the martyrs that were under the altar that were praying and asking God, when when will we be avenged? Here is the answer to their prayer. They're going to receive their reward. They're going to receive what they have sown. What you sow, you will reap. And here fresh water turns to blood. The rivers, the springs, the wells. Fresh water is already in short uh, supply because of the drought that we saw in chapter 11, verse 6. And now these are truly thirsty. These worshipers of Antichrist have no fresh water to drink. Nothing to cleanse the oozing sores of their bodies. Nothing to cleanse themselves. And you know, a drought is a sign of the lack of God's Word that refreshes the soul. Living water is Jesus Christ, spoken of in John chapter 4. And the judgment is coming now because of all that they've been trying to do upon themselves. Well let's look at verse 8, the fourth bowl. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire And men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. They see the heart of man. People know this is God. This is God doing it, and what happens? They still have these oozing sores. They have thirst. There's a drought, and now a great heat. And their bodies are filled with every fleshly desire, and all of the sources of, of pain now burning their body that God created. They hate God. They recognize this is from God, and they do not repent. And then it goes on. How sad, how hardened are their hearts. Do you remember Pharaoh, when the plagues came, he hardened his heart? That's what happens in these last days. People will harden their hearts. And then verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. See the grace of God. God's grace is still there to make them see their hearts, to make them see what they've been worshiping, to make them see what they thought was important. And He brought all of those things down to nothing. And it's on the kingdom of Antichrist. There's darkness. There's still heat. And we think of heat... Associated sometimes with fire, with light, with the burning scorching of the sun. But God can do what He wishes. He can bring the great heat in the greatest of darkness. Because He's showing the insight of their souls. Their life was darkened. They were not recognizing. Just like the Egyptians of old. The darkness is on the throne of the Antichrist, His capital city. It, It goes through all of His dominion. It covers Antichrist's kingdom. And now they're scorched and they're crying out. There's no water to ease their thirst, to wash themselves. And then we're going to get in, Lord willing, next week into the sixth bowl where the river Euphrates is dried up. And we begin to set up the scene for the Antichrist. They cry out in chapter 16 and verse 17. The seventh angel pours out his bowl in the air. And from the throne it says it is done, it is done. All that man has created, all that man has tried to do, all that man has put together and that he has been worshiping and thinks that it's so important, it's all been brought to All that man worships, all the man thinks that, oh, we've got to have this, we've got to have that, it's all destroyed. This world is going to be completely destroyed and God makes it new and fresh, Without the taint of sin, we're going to see great things. But the battle of Armageddon comes. We're about to see the final and the greatest contrast. But do you see who's in control? Do you see who's in control? We don't understand why hard times come in our life as a child of God. We don't understand why. Why are we going through this? God, you can. You are God. You are Almighty. You can. You can take this away. And we don't know. That He has maybe a purpose. He's molding us. And maybe it's that we could sympathize and help someone else. That we could say, I know your pain. I understand. I've been there. I understand what it is, what you're going through. I understand what's happening. And so sometimes God allows things in our lives so that we might be a blessing to others. And that we might grow. And that we might be mature and become what He would have us. And we've seen those in the world their hearts are hardened. They blaspheme God and they say, No! They know that God is doing this. They know that He is trying to get their attention and they refuse to repent. That's what the Scripture says. They refuse to repent. They refuse to recognize that amazing grace of God. They refuse to see what God is doing. We've seen the contrast. Saved and lost. There's only two groups of people in this world. You're either Christ or you're Satan. That's what Jesus said. You are either a child of the kingdom or you're a child of Satan. Now that's pretty tough. It's pretty direct words. That's what we're seeing here in this book. You're either on one side or the other. There are a lot of people that are still morally good. They're still trying to do this or trying to do that. But if you're not a child of God and right with Him, you're still on the wrong side still on the wrong side. I'm going to ask, as our song leaders come and we prepare for a verse of invitation, we've seen the great contrast of what the world has and what the saved have. What this world and the Babylon that's coming and all of the chaos that it incorporates and all of that that comes in with it and how God is going to show it for exactly what it's worth. Where do we stand? What's really important? Where do we spend our money? Where do we spend our time? What's really important to us? That's our God. Sometimes the Lord has to show us what is really impacting us, where we spend our efforts, our time, and our money. That's what's important. And that's our God. Is our God the true God that we really looked at? These people in the book of Revelation, they know what they want. They don't want Godliness. They don't want what the Lord has. They want what they have and had. And God begins to show how worthless it is. How about, how's the Spirit of God worked in your life and in your heart? I hope that some way, somehow, He's used this horrible message to show His great blessings and all that we can be truly thankful for. All the grace of God and how He's walked with us. And cared for us, and how His grace and mercy flow from the throne. Let's stand as we prepare to sing "Amazing Grace." How great!
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at ministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.